This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and tonight I am joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over the one major talking point at Goodison Park. And as you will see, we are recording this evening and with good reason because at six o'clock this evening, Everton confirmed the departure of Carlo Ancelotti. He has now become the head coach of Real Madrid. Less than 18 months after his appointment at Goodison, he is gone on a truly remarkable day uh, at the football club and not for, for good reasons, of course, Carlo's gone almost in the blink of an eye, um, describing an, an unexpected opportunity that came his way that he could not turn down. Um, Preno, I mean, just, I mean, before we get into sort of the detail and, and the why and the where and, and what's next, I mean, just, just generally give me your thoughts and feelings on not even a 24-hour period of, of, of tumultuous change at the football club. It's, it's more like 12, 18 hours, isn't it? Uh, very much so. I, I'm shocked. I'm disappointed. Uh, I'm very, very frustrated. And I'm surprised um, there was not an inkling of this uh, over the weekend. I mean, from, you know, inquiries we've made today, it sounds like there was only an initial approach made on Saturday. Um, although having said that, other things come to mind then. And there's like some social media posts doing the rounds out there of um, Carlo's daughter apparently saying her goodbyes to her local gym. Uh, a fortnight ago, so you know, was, was something in the offing there. Now, then you start looking for all kinds of shadows in you know corners. Well, certainly the football club themselves were taken completely by surprise. They certainly weren't expecting anything like this, and uh, it's put them in a very, very difficult position. Unexpectedly, having secured the elite, you know, sort of Hollywood manager, if you like, that uh, Farhad Mashiri always craved, and backed him significantly. He's basically. 18 months later, decided that he's got a better offer elsewhere. And all right, you know, so Real Madrid, one of the world's greatest football clubs, you can understand the appeal there. But, you know, to make these statements about, you know, they were always in my heart. Well, were they really? You know, he's only there for two years. He's Italian, you know, so why Madrid suddenly, you know, it's so much embedded in his heart. I don't know. The whole thing leaves you feeling a little bit sour and a little bit disappointed. Carlo said all the right things. Did he actually mean that many of them? I, I don't know. Well, I know it does leave Everson in a very difficult position, having to source what is not a particularly, or scour, sorry, what is not particularly uh, quality-laden transfer markets at the moment to try and bring somebody in that can rip up what Carlo starts and start all over again. And how many times have we said that over the last uh, three or four years? It's very disappointing. I can understand why Everson fans are very upset because it's it was very, very unwanted. This, regardless of how the season ended and regardless of the last three or four months of the season, this was totally unwanted. Adam, I mean, how do you feel? You know, the football club are looking for a fifth new permanent manager in the last seven, eight years. Is it since 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 Roberto since Farhad came in and, and what have you? I mean, you know, what, what are your thoughts on a, on a on a on a crazy day? I'm starting to feel like I'm cursed in this job now. I've been in this job for less than less than four years, and I'm going to be on to my fifth permanent manager <laughs> in, in a. Weeks, which is just <laughs> absolutely insane, and you know it's very much as Preno said. Like we kind of, we kind of woke up this morning and we did those sort of reports in Spain last night, and you know I, I was I wasn't really thinking much of them to be honest. When I when I woke up this morning, I thought I might have to chase 
something down about them, but you know, it's part and parcel of part and parcel of this job. I never thought it'd actually escalate into into something that you know would would transpire tonight at the you know at the uh, at the very most. And yeah, I think the the main feeling that you just do have is disappointment, isn't it? Because you know, a lot of people have mentioned Carlo Ancelotti's you know comments over the last few weeks, months, you know, the last year almost, you know, talking about the project that initially got him to Goodison Park and, you know, even if, as much as a, well, as soon as a few weeks ago, talking about, you know, the next steps of that project, you know, talking about the summer and, you know, working hard with Marcel Brands to improve this, this squad, etc., etc. Like, Carlo Angelotti doesn't strike me as a disingenuous man. I, you know, I, I think he's not the type to make flippant comments that he doesn't mean. In, in situations like that, I can I can probably say that he, he he probably did mean those comments when he was saying them. He did he was completely completely invested in the project and he was working hard to try and you know identify where Everton were going to improve in the summer. And I think that that's what concerns me the most, to be honest. What what changed in the space of you know, the last couple of days? That's that's com- like it's completely. Let's let's you know Real Madrid are a fantastic club. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as if they're in the the best position themselves are they you know they're not in a great financial position by any means uh, so it's you know, it's I don't think it's going to necessarily be the easiest job for him at Real Madrid either so it, it really baffles me as to you know what what necessarily has changed over the course of the last couple of days that's you know put Real Madrid ahead of Everton in his thinking it's just I think that's the, that's the thing that concerns me the, the most and you know with seeing Carlo Ancelotti put out his tweets uh before and you know they've not exactly gone down well with a lot of Everton supporters and you can understand why really because this is you know when something like this comes out of nowhere I think the frustration and you know the the anger and the disappointment they they kind of amplified that little bit more aren't they so yeah it's just a just a very strange situation and not one that I was uh, expecting to be sat here tonight talking about to be honest. Gav, are you is your overriding emotion, emotion disappointment or or are you angry? You know, Adam, they're alluding to there's there's you know there's a, there's a bit more of a stronger sentiment among some supporters than disappointment, and you can understand yeah. why. Um, how, how are you feeling about it all um, this evening? Uh, I I think first of all, when we echo what you know, Plano Adams had them shocked and surprised, and I'm certainly surprised about the Real Madrid, as I'd said. You no, know, little with that. You're not exactly in the head in the classicals there, are you? Uh, also, as well, the thing about, oh, you know, with Real Madrid, come call and you don't turn him down. Well, he's been at Real Madrid, hasn't he? You know, mm. it's not as if he's not been there. You know, he's he's been a victim of the politics of Real Madrid. So that, that's a surprise. I mean, if it had been someone like, I don't know, AC Milan or Inter Milan Juventus, you'd probably, I know he's managed at AC Milan before, but, you know, you, one of them, you, you'd say, okay, it's going back to Italy, but it seems a strange choice. You know, not, not not a great squad either, as you've seen in the, in the Champions League. That surprised me. Uh, I'm surprised, given his, you know, his previous utterances about the future and even to Rodriguez and stuff. Um, so yeah, and it's it's never. We always say this. It's happened so many times, but it always seems a significant day when the club loses or gains a manager, doesn't it? Even though it's happened, you know, most days in Adams four years at the Echo by the sound <laughs> of it. Um, <laughs> it's still it's still a surprise, isn't it? So that that's that's. That's just on the other side of the coin. Is I go back to what I said when Carlo was spoken about on the Royal Blue podcast in December 2019, which I, which I spoke about the other week. It says I wouldn't have had him in the first place. 
I said that at the time when his, his name was muted that uh, I didn't feel it was the right fit for the club. He was a manager whose his career was uh, on the decline. Uh, I didn't feel his his you know his, his star previously was got, what got the best out of players uh, of our you know like like at Everton you know he's obviously a elite player uh, manager uh, and I didn't you know I said that I didn't like the appointments in the, in the first place so I appreciated why the club would want to bring in somebody of his name. So in some respects, um, if his departure, well, actually, okay, and the fact he's burnt eleven million quid a year out of our wa- you know wage bill, um, I'm not exactly too disappointed. To be fair, from a football perspective, uh, especially given the way we ended the season and the way we the, the style of football, where that that's the good news. The bad news for me is we're now we're back to year zero again, aren't we? You know, we're no manager. We we. <laughs> I was talking to a friend last week and we're going through like you know the different archetypes that are the managers there's probably five or six different archetypes you know, the British Bulldog the, the you know the young trendy foreign mm. coach the, the avuncular old you know you know granddad figure of the game we've gone through most of them in the last five or six years haven't we so I don't know who else we've got to pick from that you know those archetypal managers but back at year zero I believe he's taken his backroom team to Real Madrid yeah, bit than that you reported before. So again, it's, it's changes in the dugout and behind the scenes, and players, you know, players are unnerved, aren't they, by all of this? So that's the bad news. Uh, and you know, the be there's probably a few players who are probably looking bang on a minute, and I think you know, who I'm talking about, say, well, do I want to stay at Everton now? And yeah. uh, so that's 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 the other side of the coin from a football perspective, actually. I don't want to say dodge the bullet, but I'm going to, I'm going to probably in that category in terms of Carlo. But um, it's the, the, the stuff behind the scenes and back to, as I said, back to another appointment. It's, it's uh, just unbelievable that we don't need it again. I mean, we, we thrived on stability for so long, you know, so I say yeah. thrived, okay, that's the wrong phrase to use. But, you know, we, we were secure under the stability of David Moyes. I mean, what we would take now for back-to-back fifth-place finishes, for an FA Cup final appearance, for European football, was it three out of four seasons in succession? That spell from, you know, so 2007 through to, like, 2012, you know, which was good, you know, so direct football, but it was, you know, it was football worth watching, you know, so, and you know, that final season under Moyes, you played some really good stuff, even though that was, I think, was a seventh-place finish. But, you know, it, it was exciting, it was worth watching. And I know, you know, we got battered for always seeming to fail, you know, so on the big occasion when it mattered most. But generally, it, generally, it was it was a good, you know, sort of solid period for the football club because stability proved good for us. And what we haven't got now, what we've got now is completely the opposite. We've got mayhem and we've got yeah. evil. You know, for Adam to be talking the way he is about uh, five managers in four years, oh, my God, that's just, like, outrageous. Um you know, even in you know the good old days, it was always like three years for a manager. Give him three years and then see how he goes before you make a decision. We're not even getting eighteen months now as managers. And to be fair to Everton, this isn't you know anything down to Everton. You know, so Carlo Ancelotti has made this decision. Everton have you know basically lured him into Everton with ridiculous sum of money, eleven and a half million quid a year wages, a two and a half million pound, effectively a signing on fee. That was a bonus for keeping Everton in the Premier League, which they were always going to stay in the Premier League. Let's face it, that was just like a, a little gift for him for coming. And then they backed him in the transfer market. You know, they've allowed him to bring in players that they wanted to change the transfer strategy. Marcel Brands wanted younger players 
uh, with potential sell-on value, your Lucas Diniers, your Yerry Minas, and they've gone against that now to bring in players that Carlo wanted, James Rodriguez, Abdullah Decore, uh, Alan, who are all like slightly longer in the tooth. Good players, but you know, so slightly odd, didn't fit that initial strategy. So Everson have done everything they can to back this manager, and he's turned around and basically, you know, turned his back on them, which is it's very, very sad and very disappointing. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. You talked about the word there, Brennan, that jumped out was stability. Um, and when Marcel Brand signed his new contract recently, I think that was one of the words that was used in the statement. You know, it offers us stability. So, Ad, I would say to you, and I say this fully in the knowledge that the, the dynamic at boardroom level and ownership level at Everton is perhaps unique and very different to a lot, or certainly very different to, to a lot of clubs. But, but I still would say, is this not another opportunity and another indication that you actually need to give more power than he already has, more authority to Marcel Brands to appoint coaches and direct the football as his job title says he should? Because if you have that level of guidance at the top from Marcel, a man who's going to be here for another three years because his contract says he is, he's not going to walk out on anybody we don't think, of course. But this having him running things means that there's, there's, the, we suffer less turbulence at this point. Yes, we have to go and find a coach or a new manager, but the summer plans will be set in stone because Marcel was effectively leading them. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, given Marcel Brands, that three-year contract kind of shows that faith in him, doesn't it, really? And, you know, you can't just be using a director of football as essentially a glorified scout. You can't just be signing a manager and then just saying, oh, yeah, you've got to work with Marcel Brands to, you know, effectively bring in the players. You know, it's just not going to really work like that. You know, I think it does need to be very much a lot of faith placed into Marcel Brands. You don't give him that title of director of football if you're, if you're not going to be doing that really and i think it i think you're completely right the time has come it was probably a few years ago as well the, the time had come as well but you know now that now the brands has only just signed a new contract as you say we know we've got three years with marcel brands at the helm again yeah i think the time has come that he just uh, he does just need to get somebody who's gonna who's gonna work in that sort of style you know maybe maybe he won't go back to that you know previous transfer strategy he had maybe he's got a different idea of a transfer strategy that he wants to have with a, a newer manager, but you know somebody who's going to work in tandem with Marcel Brands in in that sense is always going to be the better option, isn't it? And it does offer uh, more likelihood that we're going to be able to find that sort of stability that Prano was talking about there, because you know <laughs> the, it, what we've done in the past hasn't really worked, has it? You know we've had directors of football not choosing the managers over the last few years, and it's it's led to you know. A, a few disasters and now we're uh, um, like Carlo Ancelotti just just walking out on us as well so it, it's it's getting to be a really ridiculous situation at this point the amount of managers that Everton are, are going through and the complete lack of stability that we've that we've had so why not just give Marcel Brands a go because as I say like you, you wouldn't put that faith in him if you didn't think that he could do that job surely so yeah I, I'd, I'd say he's got to be got to be at the forefront of uh, of the of this uh, next decision, you've just got to you've just got to hope that you know the likes of Ken Wright or Mashiri are gonna are gonna allow him to do that because I, I do think it is pretty important for Everton going forward. Gav, I mean, obviously you, you made your sort of feelings about about Carlo clear at the time and, and clear before, yeah. 
Um, but obviously, we don't, we can't say with any certainty because he's left so soon whether it was going to work out with Carlo and whether this was going to be yeah. the key to unlocking Mashiri's vision <laughs> heading into Bramley Moor Dock. Um, but nevertheless, what type of manager? Uh, in terms of age, experience, style, etc., do you think we need to go for now? Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's like Pred- well, Predo sort of alluded to it there. It's sort of like a David Moyes 2002 appointment, isn't it? Uh, really. Um, it needs to be young, ambitious, with a, a way of mo- you know, a, a way of playing that's identifiable, that's modern. Um, that gives, as I say, gives an identity to the club. You've got, you've got to have that, um, and that that that's what we need. For a club with our resources and where we are within the destructive English football, the hierarchy of it, that's what we need. That's why I didn't like Carlo. We need somebody like that who's going to take it forward in a in a you know in a, over the long term. Who's got who's got a plan for that period? Um, and that, that that's what we need, and that has to come from. And that has to, as Adam was saying, that has to come from brands, doesn't it? Really. Um, so, yeah, so young, young and hungry. You know, two thousand two Moyes with a bit more flair, perhaps. Um, no, so, and to, to be fair to Preno, is what we kill for a KLR Teta PNR Osman midfield, by the way, because I, I don't get that Moyes yeah. long, you know that stuff. Uh, yeah, so young, young, hungry manager with with a with a decent track record of, of developing players because that's what we need, Phil, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We need somebody with a track record of developing players, and um, that, that's also important for where we stand as a club. It's a great shout, that, but it is always a, a real gamble bringing in a, a manager like that. I mean, you know, some some. I mean, Adam maybe not remember, won't be able to remember when David Moyes came in, but uh, I can just about remember that. <laughs> there wasn't, you know, if, if I'm casting my mind back, you know, widespread enthusiasm for him. Uh, he was a, a young, you know, sort of driven manager at Preston North End, but he'd not achieved a great deal, you know, sort of while he was there. He turned the club round. Uh, you know, they, they hadn't achieved, well, they got promotion from the third tier to the second tier, but they, I think they got to the playoffs in the championship. And, you know, they'd done okay, uh, but it was still a real step up for him. Uh, and as he proved in his first couple of seasons, he had a great first season, then a very disappointing second season, a great third season, very disappointing fourth season. It took a little while to actually, you know, sort of find, you know, so his rhythm there, if you like. And that was a gamble. And, you know, would we be prepared yeah. to take that kind of gamble again? You know, I don't know who's out there that, you know, fits that bill. Yeah. Well, th- well this you is know, a question. Sorry, Gaff. Yeah. I was just going sorry. to say that, 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 is the other, that is the other dilemma, isn't it? We've been thrust into a position of having to look for a new manager. Now, now of course, don't want to do, you know, Marcel and the board and, and and his recruitment team a disservice. You would you would you would like to think that you know they they prepare for all eventualities and 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 have a list of managers you know in the in the disaster sort of situation. But I don't know. You know, is the are are those people available? Is the market big enough? Is the pool big enough for us to realistically go and get a manager? How long will it take? You know. Has enough due diligence been done? Will there be enough time to do the homework adequately? It's it's the what first second of June. I mean, the transfer window opens on the ninth. You know, and this is this is the position we've been left in, and I just think it's it's a very very difficult position for the football club to find themselves in. Well, that 
But yeah, I just to explain there, when I was talking about Moyes, I wasn't meaning that we should go down the leagues and get somebody maybe but didn't have, like, had Moyes' track record in 2002. I meant with somebody obviously being with a bit of ambition and yeah. drive who could, who, who quite clearly had an, had an identifiable skill in uh, developing young talent and turning them into international players. That's the type of, and I'm not saying that somebody with Moyes' background as such. Uh, so sort of with that, that that personality, um, but as you say, Phil, there's there's not many about, is there? Um, and that makes it harder. I mean, the only benefit we've got is that this has happened in the first week in June, and not the last week in July, I yeah. suppose. Hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of other candidates out there. I mean, the, the regular, you know, names have all been trotted around. I mean, uh, Nuno Wolves is getting a bit of a shout. David Moyes has been mentioned. That won't happen. Why would he leave West Ham? Uh, Eddie Howe mentioned again, a man who took Bournemouth down. I don't think any of them, you know, sort of fit the bill at all, really. An intriguing one is uh, is Roberto Martinez, who, you know, actually said, I mean, I wouldn't relish his return, but, you know, so there are plenty out there that would. And apparently he's told people um, that he's looking forward to a successful, you know, European championships, then he wants to get back into club football. Um, he still has his admirers at Goodison Park. I mean, does that mean they wait until the end of the European Championships? That's a real gamble then. Uh, you know, or do they try and, you know, organise something beforehand and try and tap him up before the tournament is finished? And Would, would, and would playing devil's advocate, Prenner, would Farhad Mashiri go and rehire a manager he sacked? Has, has Roberto done anything at club level to to say that he's yeah. changed? I don't know. You know. Who knows? I mean, there's so many imponderables, but I'm just I'm not blown away by any of the names out there, to be honest. I mean, we've said this before we've gone through this. How many times have we been through this over the last few years? And we all pick out the managers that we, you know, so that we think would do a job. And I've said many times, I think Rafa Benitez is, you know, a really good coach who would, you know, do a decent job at Everton in the short term. Um, but would Everton go for him? I don't think they would, to be honest, because of the obvious reasons, because of the links that he has with Liverpool and because of the affection he still has, you know, so amongst Liverpool people. So it doesn't leave us with a great deal of options, to be perfectly honest. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Uh, just going back to, to to why Carlo chose chose Madrid and, and Gavin Preno had, had sort of said, well, you know, they're not what they were or haven't been in recent seasons. They've, they've got debts. You know, this isn't a squad. You know, another thing that struck to mind is Carlo spoke so warmly and so passionately about finding re- rediscovering a family club in Everson, as he said he'd found at Milan. And yet he's he, he's going back into the lion's den almost. He knows what Perez is like as a president. He knows that he could be sacked within six months, yet he's still accepting of the opportunity. It's almost like it seems to me as though the appeal of the elite football clubs is almost like a drug. And, and, and Carlo, probably at this stage in his career, because his career has, has, has he has fallen down the tiers of of, of, of of elite managers, hasn't he, in recent seasons, and, and you know, and that's why he was with us. It does feel as though to me he's seen this as his last big opportunity. Yeah, I think I think you're completely right. I was about to say the same thing. He might be seeing this as a sort of last chance saloon for him to, you know, break his way into those into those top elite clubs. And, you know, in, in, in some respects you can't you can't really you can't really argue against that, can you? I think it is just more the way that this has happened rather than the actual decision behind it. You know, to leave Everton for Real Madrid, I think, is you know a move that 
a lot of people like in their heart and hearts can probably understand. But to leave Everton for Real Madrid in the way that he has, and you know, to be you know talking only probably last week even <laughs> about you know rebuilding this project, and you know as you say, he was talking about. Everton as a family club and everything, he was talking up Crosby Beach every 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 year, <laughs> second that he could possibly get. Uh, so I, I just feel sorry for the, all those businesses down at Crosby Beach that are just going to lose out on that free publicity that Carlo Ancelotti was giving them. But uh, yeah, it, it, it is it is just a real shame, isn't it? Because that's some that's one of Everton's major selling points at the end of the day, and Carlo Ancelotti very quickly kind of bought into that sort of family atmosphere, didn't he? You know, he, he only had. A few games in front of supporters at Goodison Park. I think he only had five games in front of a full Goodison Park. Uh, one, well, he was unbeaten, unbeaten in those game in in those five games, and then he had a few in front of you know a, a reduced reduced crowd, and he only lost that uh, that old uh, that one against Manchester United, didn't he, in the in the League Cup? So you know it, he really did seem to buy into this sort of family aesthetic, and as you say, like it is very weird for him to. Go crawling back to uh, to Perez, who obviously he knows very well, he knows him very well from uh, the Super League as well, doesn't he? You know, um, Carlo Ancelotti's comments on the Super League were uh, very interesting to go back and look at. He, he, he spoke very strongly about how wrong they were and how Everton would never do that because they are this family club and they take care of the supporters. But as soon as Real Madrid come calling, who are still in the Super League, as soon as they come calling, he's like, no, okay. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go back to you then. It's, yeah. I've, I've thought about what it says. Um, yeah. <laughs> can I just shock you? I actually like the Super League. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just stuff like that 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 kind of irks people, doesn't it? And you can understand it in that sort of sense because, as you say, like Ever- Everton are sort of like a family club. It's 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 sort of like a diametric opposite to Real Madrid in a, in a lot of respects, in isn't it? So it's just. It's just a really, really weird situation. I'm, str- I'm still struggling to get my head around it, to be honest. Yeah, but, look, again, playing devil's advocate, trying to read between the lines of the statement. Is there more to it than meets the eye? Has, has, has Carlo not been promised what, what he was expecting this summer in terms of a budget? Has he seen yeah. uh, the offer coming for Real Madrid? And yes, they are the club always in his heart, as he said, but also is he thinking, well, actually... I immediately go and work with a better squad of players. The president has said he'll go and sign X, Y, and Z. Don't worry about the debt. We've still got funds. I don't know. I'm, we're trying to sort of piece things together without having spoken to, 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 uh, to, yeah. to the man himself. Yeah. Um, as we got privy to that, that, that might come out in time, um, mightn't it? Um, said before, when we did our spending spree last summer, that it's pointless appointing Carlo if you're not going to support him. So you would think that. He will be supported. Just wondering whether the events at the tail end of the season has come into it, Phil, that a Carlos an elite manager used to win in Champions Leagues. And I mean, as I said in 2019, his league record, he's won a couple of titles, his league record overseas is not that great for somebody who's managed big teams. Just wondering whether you get stuffed 5-0 at Man City in the last game of the season and you know you were used to so much more over your managerial career, whether that had, you know, maybe acted as a bit of a reality check to the standard of Everton, the standard of the players and the job that needed to be done here. Uh, when you used to something different through most of your managerial career, um, perhaps when Real Madrid come calling, 
And you know, you still, you know, regardless, even though they are struggling, they're still hugely competitive with Spain. They nearly won the league, isn't he, with a relatively poor team. In in that context, you you know, your last couple of games, you've been beaten by Sheffield United at home, Osh five nil, Man City. You're thinking, even if I get plays in, I'm not going to be in the passes of here. You know, well, he's the man so that, he? you know, he, he's the man. He is, that, well, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good changing. And the, the way we started. Those first two or three I, months, you know, suggested he had turned it around. So yeah, he carries it's, it. It's how it yeah. Oh, absolutely, Dave. And absolutely, that's why I've said I'm not exactly, you know, in tears and going. Yeah. But at the same time, he's used to dishing out five nil wins on the last day of the season, isn't he? Yeah. Not being on the receiving end, and although he made noises about being enticed by the project and doing something he's not done before as a manager in terms of developing players and developing a club over the period of the years. I'm just wondering whether at the end of the season after maybe it's a bit of a reality check. Possibly. If, if, if Real Madrid had come to us last October when we were top of the league, would he have turned them down? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's interesting one, but the whole atmosphere around the City game wasn't great, was it? You know, Two goals on the bench, just all that stuff. You know, there's a lot of discussion of this, this Rodriguez thing. Maybe it's not helped. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of conjecture, hasn't it, over a few things in the last few weeks? But I'm just wondering whether the tail end of the season said, "Well, actually, you could got your way." Of course, I was there, Carlo, but I'm, and he's probably thinking maybe he's not got the tools to do the job, or the, you know, or the, the patience to do it. And uh, so, Real Madrid come home, and then I. I go. You know what? I know we give. You know, and they have been criticised. I feel really sorry for the balls. I feel sorry for Farad. Yes, I was saying this earlier to somebody actually. I was yeah, saying, yeah. You know, yeah. You don't often feel sorry for a billionaire, but you know, I, I think that he he finally felt like he probably had landed the man that he'd yeah. been after, and it felt like Carlo four and a half year deal. Yeah, and 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 he's just and it wasn't because and and he's not left because Farhad made a decision and. And you know, may have regretted it the next yeah. morning. He's 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 walked out on him, and, and he must feel because he's as you said, Gavin, you've alluded to, and Preno alluded to. Farhad made a significant financial contribution to get him here, and made him a, a promise of of a salary, which was unheard of at the football club. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and to add to that, of course, the people who feel most sorry for are the fans, including ourselves. You know. Um, I, you know, and understandably, those who feel that down tonight, I fully support you know, and understand that. Because um, I expect the better from Carlo. He obviously come across as a man of integrity, popular within the game and all that type of stuff, but ultimately he's a professional, isn't he? Mm. You live by the sword, die by the sword in that game, don't you? Indeed. I mean, look, before people throw their phones or however they listen to this pod at the wall. I'm just throwing this name out there as, as a point of discussion, you know, in terms of the context of young, hungry coach might fit more into the director of football model. I mean, what about Graham Potter? And you're going to say Graham Potter for some reason. Like one of my, uh, one of my cousins was speaking to me about Graham Potter before and he, he was saying that he, that he thinks Graham Potter would be a great fit. And to be honest, when Preno was... Talking about you know the kind of, the kind of man well Preno and Gap were talking about the kind of manager that they'd want you know like a young hungry sort of you know Moy like young Moyes esque but with a bit more flair about him you know it, Potter's Potter's face did did instantly spring to mind for me because at the end of the day 
you know, Brighton did play some very nice football last season. I think they did a lot of things right. I think they did a lot of things wrong, to be to be fair. I think there's still certainly a learning curve to go there because obviously he's still a young coach who needs to develop. Uh, he, to be to be fair, if he came to Everton, he'd actually have a striker who could score, which would probably well, be well, the well, thing I, I that he was missing. Say- I was going to say, he probably fit right in Everton because Brighton didn't score either, did they, last season? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I think it was for very different reasons that they didn't score, to be fair. I think it was maybe just the opposite for, for them. They were creating a lot of chances, yes. but no the net. So, <laughs> I think he, I, I don't think he's certainly the worst of any of the names that have been mentioned. You know, some some of the names that have been mentioned over over social media i don't want to pick some of them out but so, so, some of them have just made me a uh, me toes curl like they're, 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 they're quite they're quite bad and i wouldn't i wouldn't exactly put potter in that category i, st- I do still think there would be I, I would hope there'd be somebody better out there for I, I wouldn't i wouldn't know exactly who but i wouldn't exactly be you know i wouldn't exactly be Really, really disappointed if Graham Potter was the man. I think I think he's he'd be better than somebody like a like a Nuno, for example. Uh, I think I think that will probably be a better option than that. Do we need Premier League experience? Because you know, like pe- coaches that are like red hot and in and in vogue. You know, people like Gaultier at Lille. I mean, again, just throwing a name out there. But do, do we have to have a manager who knows the league? No, no, not not necessarily. Because I think if if you well, let's let's say, for example, that we are going to let Marcel Brands be the the figurehead behind choosing the new manager. You know, Marcel Brands has now been at the club for for three years. He knows the league inside and out. He knows you know, most of the Europe leagues inside and out, doesn't he? He knows the club inside and out at this point. Uh, as long as he's going to be working closely with Marcel Brands, then I don't think uh, Premier League proven really needs to be a factor all that much. Because you know, how, how many managers have we seen over the? Over the past few years, at different clubs that are, haven't been Premier League proven and have and have gone on to to make a success of themselves, I think it's just as long as you get as long as you get the right coach in. And as I say, they work well with Marcel Brands. They've got the right sort of attributes. We can back them well in the transfer market to be able to play to the style that they want. I'm I'm, I'm not sure the fact that they have been in the Premier League before. I'm not sure that's uh, that's going to really matter all that much. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Pren, I'll, I'll keep talking till you've uh, till you're ready to reply. But um, one name we haven't, <laughs> one name we one name we haven't mentioned, um, and probably you know remiss of us not to mention him, uh, Duncan. Is he ready? Well, uh, I'm not personally. I'm not sure that he is. Although. I got a very uh, passionate message this evening from um, an Amazon legend, Neville Southall, uh, which you'll be able to read tomorrow on the website um, or you know Wednesday whenever you're listening to this. Um, basically, advertising Duncan's claims and saying you know how loyal he's been to the club, how passionate he is, what a success he was as a caretaker last time round. But so Duncan himself admitted, even then, he wasn't quite ready uh, for that role yet. Um, and you know, we needed somebody with you know more experience, you know, so more knowledge in the transfer market, certainly. But I was just thinking then while you were talking about uh, about Graham Potter and how you know Marcel hasn't really been given the opportunity to work as a director of football so far in his tenure at Everton. I mean, Marco Silva was effectively foisted upon him, uh, Sam Allardyce was an emergency appointment, 
And Carlo Ancelotti, you know, is clearly, you know, so being a man wanting to do things his own way against the strategy that Marcel Brands had introduced. So this could be an opportunity to maybe allow Marcel, you know, sort of finally, you know, sort of do his job fully alongside, you know, a manager like maybe Potter or like maybe Duncan, you know, so somebody that, you know, has got, you know, not the experience uh, that, you know, other managers have, but that passion and that drive and that desire. I mean, he certainly got a tune out of the players, you know, in the other short period uh, that he was in caretaker charge. And then, you know, sort of give Marcel maybe more responsibility. It could be an opportunity to the football club. I mean, we don't see it like that at the moment because we're still burning with frustration and disappointment and upset at what's happened. But possibly, possibly this could be an opportunity for some good to come out of this situation. Mm. Gav, um, it's quite it's quite a big question, but I, you know, and I'll pass it on to the, to the lads as well. But um, who, who, you know, give me a couple of players who are particularly down tonight at the news of Ancelotti's departure. And give me a couple of players, maybe who are thinking, oh, okay, things might be on the up for me now. Yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, I, will, I wouldn't pass on Graham Potter, by the way. I think okay. he'd be good. Yeah, yeah, I think he'd be good. Who would be happy? Uh, I think at the start of the ones who'd be sad, I think Hamas would probably fall into that category. I would think it would probably be difficult for him during the summer anyway, given what's gone on. Uh, you, you suspect some of our senior players would be looking now. Now, you know, I say senior, the better ones uh, will be looking now to say, well, hang on a minute. You know, I've only got it like. I'm at the, near the peak of my career, or I've got the you know best next four or five years important ones. You want to still stay here? Name names: Richarlison, Dean. would fall into that category, wouldn't he? Straight away. Um, you know that, that maybe the players Carlos being brought in, Alan. You know Alan had mentioned it was a core. I, I think it was maybe a little bit more of a brand sign, but Alan would certainly be another one. Um, but the only thing, if it's all right saying that, but in likes of Alan's case, he's not going to get the salaries on the revenue if he moves. I think Dini or Richarlison might. Um, Hammer said it was a, probably a busted flush before Carlo left anyway. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the ones who'd be content, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Any, anybody, under, the next coach. Anybody, anybody under the age of 23, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think there'll be, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I I think I think the younger maybe the younger players, but I, I don't know. You know, if you if you're working with somebody like Carlo as a player, maybe you 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 you, you know you appreciate who you're working to. But I can't, I'm not sure whether there'd be people jumping through hoops. He doesn't strike me as a massive disciplinarian, does he? For the start, which is maybe part of the problem. But I still, I, I, so it's easy to name the players who think would be. Maybe get their eyes turned and want to follow them out the door. There's probably at least three or four of them. Um, but elsewhere, I'm not so sure. Um, I, I mean, because the, the thing with that, Phil, is some of them players, a new manager might come in, like a post, and say, Well, you don't play the football player, like, you know. You know, you know the, their places could be under threat themselves. Well, I suppose it's, it's, the, it's instability. Well, th- thinking out loud in terms of, I mean, look, you would imagine Graham Potter, as an example, I'm just speaking hypothetically, yeah, Graham, yeah, Potter, yeah. Graham Potter would find it very difficult to turn down Everton Football Club, but he also may look at the squad and go, well, if you want me to play the style of football we played at Brighton, you're going to have to get a lot more b- better players who can keep hold of the ball and pass it. 
because ultimately that's been a significant failure of this team, hasn't it? You know, yeah. whatever strengths we've, we've talked about rightly this season, we've shown defensive solidity, etc. Mm. Ability to retain the ball has been has been a real weakness. But, I mean, I don't want to sort of you, you, that's the point because we spoke about it the last time. Is in many ways it's a terrible summer to get this view manager, isn't it? Because there's so much deadwood being offloaded this year by so many different clubs, it then becomes an even more difficult job. Even if you've got decent players that you can to put them on the market because you want to bring other players in, you know, to shoot your style of play. And, and that's that's the other thing that will, will impact on us as well. So, it, it, yeah, it's, it's going to be incessant. It's I mean, so, so on, on that ad, I mean, just, uh, you know, you know, try to find a manager to minimise the kind of disruption. So you say hypothetically, right, let's try and find a manager who fits the bill a bit more like Carlo. Well, Carlo's almost a one-off because he doesn't have a style. He is very much horses for courses. He's, you know, tactically really astute. He's, you know, it's 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 for what that match coming up needs and the players we have available. I mean, that was a major strength of his and is a major strength of his. But there aren't too many like that. No, absolutely not. And I think, I think I've right in a way that, like, you know, the, the timing of this couldn't really have been much worse for Everton at this point. You know, it was already going to be an absolutely huge transfer window. I think over the over the course of the last uh, few weeks and months of the season, we saw you know Everton playing a pretty pretty dire style of football. I would say, and you know, we were all quite comfortable in it in the knowledge that you know Carlo Ancelotti and Marcel Brands were going to be working really hard to sign the right sort of players that were going to that was going to mean that we wouldn't be playing that style of football anymore next season. But that's kind of kind of the style of football and legacy that Carlo Ancelotti's ended up leaving behind now with Everton, which is which is a real shame because, you know, that, that those last few months of the season were, you know, pretty, pretty grim. Even when we were winning games, you know, it, it, it was it was pretty pretty grim to watch a lot of the time. So, you know, that, that that's that'll be the issue with going you know, I, I do understand what you're saying there, that you'd you'd want to keep as much stability as possible to, you know, reduce the sort of disruption sort of thing. But you know, if if we were to go for somebody who has a similar any well any sort of similar style to Ancelotti, we'd just be watching grim football again, wouldn't we? You know, it, I I just don't think, you know, unless we unless we did sign a, a whole new raft of players, I just don't I just don't think that those players have really got the capabilities to play in any any other sort of system. So you you're just left with this, you know, if if you set up in a defensive manner, then you know you might. You might be able to eke out some results and even some unexpected results against some good teams. But for the, for the course of the season, I think that squad kind of proved that they they're just not capable of doing that. So you do still need to make uh, some quite big investments all over the pitch, don't you? You know, we, we've been saying for weeks that Everton have desperately lacked pace. You know, you've just said there that we desperately lack players who can you know just keep keep hold of the ball a little bit and be able to to pass it on properly you know we we still need all of these things i think regardless of regardless of what manager comes in so uh, i'd argue that you, you know you might as well just go for uh, a, a massive change and you know try and try and almost start over again to be honest because you know if you if you were trying to if you're trying to go for the you know more stable less disruptive kind of option i think you're just going to be left with the same results anyway so you might you might as well just go for it and Preno, I mean, complicating matters further is that we're we're fishing in a market that involves Spurs. They're on the lookout for a new manager, and I mean, they they've had a, a significant head start on us. 
uh, and they've yet to find one. Um, I mean, how much does that complicate the, the issue? It makes it very complicated, yeah, because if we're fishing in that same style of manager pond, you know, uh, yeah, you know, it, London is always a very attractive destination, you know, so for football managers. And so, yeah, that, that does make it, you know, altogether more difficult. I mean, it's funny you were saying before about which players uh, will actually be, you know, heartened by the fact that he's gone. And you can't think of any, to be perfectly honest. Maybe Jordan Pickford, who's like not used to being left out on the number of occasions he was left out last season. But when he was, it seemed to work successfully, didn't it? You know, he actually became a more rounded, you know, some more consistent goalkeeper towards the end of the season. So the players themselves, I don't think there's anybody there that's going to be like really happy with the, the situation. We can only hope that whoever it is that we bring in, you know, gets that initial bounce, you know, so that, you know, new manager bounce, you know, so it seems to happen so frequently. And then from, you know, then on, who knows? But yeah, it's, it, it, as we said earlier in the podcast, it's the worst possible time, you know, so for it to have happened to Everton. And reiterate once again, it's, it's a problem lots of Everton's making this one. You can be accused in the past of, you know, so having made mistakes, you know, so having dropped clangers that, have, you know, led some managers going. Well, not on this occasion. You know, they've done everything that they could have done to have procured Carlo Ancelotti and to have kept him happy. And for some reason, he's, you know, he suddenly professed this long-lost uh, adoration and admiration for Real Madrid. And, you know, he wants to go there. It'd be interesting to see what kind of salary he gets there, whether it's even more than the 11.5 million Everson were offering him. And if I mean, it there, is, well, there, was, there was some suggestion, and, and again, I, I'm not, not sure of the source and, and, and how legit, but there was some suggestion he was on about six million quid a year, so around half. But again, yeah. no, no idea if that's true. Um, Gav, just the last one before before we we, we finish, because um, we could go on all night on this. <laughs> just on players, I mean, do you think there's any real threat that Carlo would want to take any of the uh, current Everton squad with him to Madrid? Yeah, I know. I know the left backs decent. I think Richarlison would be up there, wouldn't he? I think. Um, but they're, they're the two that springs to mind. Who's it plays left back? Is it Mendy plays left back for Madrid? Um, I think, yeah, I think it's Charleston will be up there, even though he's had a struggle this season. Mm. Can't think the likes of Carver Lewin. He's not, he's not, he's still potential to Carver Lewin. Um, but I think Richarlison's Ian, he will be two. Maybe it's, if he was, if, if he could be a, you know, fifth, stay fifth this season, you'd say Mina as well, maybe. But they, they, when it was announced this afternoon that, you know, that was likely, and I had this conversation, and, and they were the two that I, I said, uh, it would be uh, in the frame to, to move, yeah. uh, to be fair. <laughs> Okay, we'll uh, we'll leave it there. It's been it's been a good forty odd minutes and uh, plenty to 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 sort uh, to, of to, uh, reflect on there. And I'm sure we can pod again because as this summer as uh, unravels and goes on in a in a direction that we were not expecting, uh, even as early as this morning, we were not expecting the summer would require a new manager search. But it will. Carlo Ancelotti leaving for Real Madrid earlier this evening. Um, and Everson, looking for a new manager again. So, chaps, thank you very much for your company. Brilliant, as always. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.